You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know nothing different than an AFC championship game in Arrowhead during the Patrick LeVon Mahomes era. And while he was not on the field to finish the game, your Kansas City Chiefs advance to their third straight AFC championship game in Arrowhead with a 22-17 victory over the feisty Cleveland Browns. Uh, Your Chiefs going on to play the Buffalo Bills next Sunday for a chance at the Super Bowl. A lot to unpack here. Uh, We'll just go around the horn first off. Maddie Lane, how you feeling after a game where it was closer than, than I want it to be for sure? Not a single doubt was ever had in this household. No, I'm kidding. I think, like everybody else, once Patrick Mahomes had to leave this game, I got a little worried. But then it dawned on me that Chad Henney can function as a quarterback and the Browns defense really is bad. So I was still feeling pretty good until the moment he threw an interception and then I'm sweating through three different t-shirts and thankfully the Chiefs were able to pull this off. Things got dicey down the stretch. But if Patrick Mahomes plays, this game is a blowout. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Um, Andy Reid has led your Kansas City Chiefs to three straight home AFC Championship game appearances. Outrageous. The last coach to do that was Andy Reid in Philadelphia from 2002 to 2004. Chiefs fans, feel very lucky at where you are. Before we even start this game, feel very, very lucky where you are with this organization, with this franchise. I remember where this was not you know two decades ago. This is awesome. Relish in this. Enjoy this. Try not to nitpick too terribly much. With that being said, let's nitpick, boys. It's time to go. Uh, and this isn't nitpicking. This is just holding our breath for the next seven days. Uh, Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the best player in the world, who proved that for the first 37 minutes of that football game and let everybody know who the best player in the world is. Uh, 21 of 30, 255 yards and a touchdown, 8.5 yards per attempt. Also, uh, a a rushing touchdown on an option play. Uh, Was phenomenal. And then the Chiefs tried that option play again on a fourth and short. And... Mahomes goes down with what appears to be possibly a concussion, was in concussion protocol. Andy Reid said he was cleared. A lot, kind of just this, there's a lot of mystery around the situation. On top of that, before that even happens, he's hurt. He has a toe injury on the first touchdown of pass of the game, too. So there's issues. Head and toe right now for Patrick Mahomes, Maddie. A lot going on, uh, but boy, did that 
that really just kind of put a damper on the rest of the day. So let's work, I guess, backwards here and start with the potential concussion or wind knocked out of, according to Andy Reid play on the second speed option. I had actually just said that I would love to run the speed option again on that third and one on Twitter because the Browns defense is terrible at defending it. The Chiefs are very good at running it. So I was asking for this play and right as it happened, it just, it was like, okay, foot into mouth immediately. I think the play call was correct. The toe injury, I think, is a slightly bigger concern for me just because the concussion protocol for Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing anybody can do to change that. He's either going to pass it or he's not. That's nothing that can be planned around or worked with. It's the toe injury that if that if he can play and that's still present, that changes your game plan going into the game with the Buffalo Bills next weekend. So I think that one just has a little bit bigger of an impact if you're just going to assume he's going to play. The good news is the final drive of the first half coming out in the second half and we did see him, he was moving a lot better. There was a drive there in the middle of the first half where it was clearly bothering him. But whatever happened in between that drive and around halftime and coming out of halftime, he looked a lot better. I'm sure it's uncomfortable, but he looked like he was functioning with it. So I'm hoping that doesn't flare back up. I'm obviously hoping he clears the concussion protocol, assuming he is in it going into next weekend. It's just, I feel like everyone's talking about concussion and no one's talking about toes. Yeah, Matt, and Maddie loves to talk about toes, first of all. Also, Rex um, Ryan? No feet, what? just toes. Just, oh, just toes. Gotcha. Uh, man, Toradol is a hell of a drug. Like if that's what if that's what they had Patrick Mahomes on, he looked so much better moving coming out of the half. Like y- y'all remember, he was he was limping badly. Like he was struggling to put any weight on that foot. So I hope that it's nothing serious. Yeah, like Matt said, we're gonna focus on the concussion protocol all week long because that's legitimately the one that could keep Patrick Mahomes out of the AFC Championship game. He'll play on that toe. But the toe is the one that could be the thing that affects his game the most. So it's it's worth mentioning both of them because he was so good against the Browns for the first three quarters. Like it was so sorry, two and a half quarters, two two hundred and fifty five yards. Like come on, man, he was so good. Obviously, we hope we get him back. On the toe, uh, you saw in this first half there was some issues throwing the football. And I, I tweeted out there his 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 uh his drops were like he was adjusting his drops to account somehow for his toe. Um he was like kinda like getting that back foot planted quicker. I don't know what that was all about, but he was kinda like sticking that foot hard in the ground. It was it looked very uncomfortable for him at in his drop. And then and that, that's probably overcompensating for that toe. And then trying to throw left with where he's putting a ton of pressure on that th- on the toe, you saw issues, several throws just struggling um, to get that ball where it needs to be, throwing some balls into the ground. That's some compensation issues there where he's trying to get that taken care of. Um, you know, you know, he's trying to account for that toe issue. So, like, I, it was bothering him. There's no doubt about that. And that's going to be something to monitor for sure because I don't know if Mahomes is going to be able to create the same way that he's created in the past if he is available, a- able to clear concussion protocol or whatever happens, you know, with, with his injury, with, with, his, with his concussion. Um what it just from that point on with the Mahomes toe injury, I mean, he looked he was going scorched earth. Like we talked about, scorched earth Mahomes was very much in play, very very much in play before the toe injury. Things kind of slowed down a little bit after that, 
and then obviously he was you know ruled out of the game. And when he was in the game, when he was pulled out, it came time for Chad Henney to step up. And honestly, like we're gonna remember, we're gonna remember the end of the game, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But before that, it was a it was a very stressful experience to say the least, Maddie. Well, the issue was Haney comes in for Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's part of picking up the fourth and one after Mahomes leaves the game. He helps you drive down the field and kick a field goal. So you're thinking you're doing pretty good. You have the nine-point lead. You give the ball back, you know, or not nine-point, but 12-point lead at that time. You're feeling good. Haney comes out. He's driving the Chiefs down the field again, and you're kind of reminded that, hey, Andy Reid with these weapons can make this, you know, sub-average but still NFL quarterback play pretty good, especially against this defense everything's looking good. You're going to put points on the board. And then Chad Heaney throws one of the worst arm punts I've ever seen. I don't know what he saw. At no point in time was that not going into double coverage. At no point in time was that open. Live, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, I think it was Daryl Williams actually chipped the defensive end and it knocked him across the tackle's face and kind of into Heaney's face and he couldn't follow through his throw. But even if he could, there was nowhere to throw that football. That was just a terrible decision. Then you got real worried as Chiefs fans, but it didn't matter. We have the second best running quarterback in the entire NFL <laughs> behind only Patrick Mahomes. He's scrambling. He's diving. He's getting this game winner done for us. You know, Chad Henney all the way. Yeah, uh, Chad Henney looking like Lamar Jackson on third and forever. No, he completed there. passes. <laughs> Chad Henney also threw a an awful interception to nobody. Anyway, Chad Henney with a, a gutsy third down run to get it to a fourth and inches scenario. I thought he got it on the first watch. You know, I, I thought that he got across the line there. And then Andy Reid having the stones to call the play that he did. The Chiefs were selling it like it was, you know, a hard count. Like, they were trying to get him to jump. Like, you look at the receivers, everybody's kind of arms down. Nobody's really locked in or engaged. They have worked on that. Like, that that happened on purpose. One of the things that we talk about with Andy Reid all the time is window dressing. Window dressing to the same concepts that you were always used to running. Motion shifts, formations, it can let people's guards down. It can get them thinking when you don't want them or when you want them to think and to be reacting when you don't want them to react. That is the brilliance of Andy Reid, his tempo, his timing, his instincts with play calling and design. That concept is not new. That play call is not something new. The Chiefs have used that sprint out that play into the flat to Tyreek Hill in these gotta have it and short situations. Only this time, they made it look like they were just going to let the clock run out. They started an empty. They motioned the running back back into the backfield. They kind of just stood there like nothing was going to happen. We were all stunned when the ball was snapped. We were all stunned. Romo. Tony Romo about lost his mind know, when the ball was snapped. Ah, ah. I love Tony Romo. But, like, I mean, it's just the whole the whole concept is just beyond brilliant. And the just, I mean... It's the little intricacies. It wasn't lining up in a bunch of shifts and motions and, and all that stuff. It wasn't your typical, you know, designs from a from a Andy Reid. It was it was situational, just brilliance. And I, what a phenomenal play, Maddie. 
And the best part for me at this point in time was that you had had the Chiefs had had to have used multiple different short yardage plays already in this game. So you think they've already kind of drove deep into that bag of tricks. You've seen that little fake pitch or the pitch out on the fourth down. You've seen the speed option twice. You've seen them dial up different things in these short yard situations. They come out, they show you another new look in the short yardage. And like Kent said, they're not going with this all out motion and shifts and they fake it like they're just trying to set you up for the hard count and the ball is snapped. And the first thing in everyone's mind is he is not even considering handing this ball off. And I think just everybody held their breath. But then, I mean, like Kent said, a little Tyree kill out of the flat. It's a play they've done multiple times. Tyree kill did a great job working back towards the ball just in case somebody was there. He catches it. It's an easy first down once they do. The stones to make that call there for Andy Reid. I think anybody who's ever called him conservative <laughs> has to take a lap right now. Even if it is, even if he is sometimes, it is right now you got to take a lap. Yeah, you you definitely do. Like we we've talked a lot about Andy Reid's clock management in the 3 or so years that we've been doing this podcast, but I'll tell you what. He's on one since, you know, over the past couple of years. Like he he's going forward at the right times. He's making a lot of good calls and a lot of courageous calls to have the the wherewithal to step up with your backup quarterback in a gotta have it situation. Even when your defense is playing well, like we've seen them do that to try and prevent and try and ice games. Like the defense have been playing pretty well the past drive, but to be able to line up and just get it like that, like that was easy. That was way too easy. And it's because of the attention to detail by Andy Reid and attention to detail by Chad Henney. So hat tip to both of those guys for that play. Well, and hat tip to Chad Henney for making that play feasible. Because on a third and 14, Chad Henney had a pretty rough game with that with that touchdown or with that interception, sorry, in, in the end zone. That was inexplicable. But third and 14, coming out of the two-minute warning, he makes a, a, a fantastic decision and a great run for a limited athlete to make that a fourth and short. He almost got it. He came up and got hyped and, and was celebrating like he got it. And frankly, I don't care. Give that man his spot. <laughs> Give him the spot. But credit Andy Reid for letting him go out and finish it because that was such a gutsy, tough play. And that's what you want from a backup quarterback, Matt. Yeah, I mean, Chad Henney did Everything that you could ever possibly want your second string quarterback to do in the biggest moment of his entire career, despite being around for what seems like ever, he showed up in the biggest moment, played well, then played incredibly poorly. He was going to be the guy that was costing them the entire game, and he still had to go back out there, and he didn't just come out and hand the ball off over and over and over, and he still had him throw the football and he did it well. You can't, you could not be any happier for Chad Henney or for having Chad Henney if you're a Chiefs fan right now. Yeah. Chad Henney had never thrown a pass in a playoff game before, and he threw the one that iced the game and sent the Chiefs to their third straight AFC Championship game. Gotta love it. So, Chad Henney was the only backup that had a big role this week. The Chiefs are without Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And, of course, the Chiefs decided to roll with Daryl Williams 
the LSU undrafted free agent at the running back spot with Le'Veon Bell sitting right there. And guess what? Darrell Williams doubles his yards per carry, doubles the yards per carry of a Le'Veon Bell today. Obviously limited touch, but Darrell Williams, Maddie, strong performance, and what a surprise to see him out there. So I think this one was building from that second game with Denver back in, what was it, week 13, where we all saw Darrell Williams come in at the end of the game. It was running really hard. He was running well after, you know, other guys got hurt. He was forced into action, but I think... You saw how his running style, which is very downhill, which is very much running to the gap that the play is designed for or that he's supposed to, and just kind of taking what's there. He hits the hole hard. He hits it aggressive. He hits it quick. You saw how that worked a little bit better with this offensive line in theory than the patient style of Le'Veon Bell or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Then the game against the Falcons, he was running better than Le'Veon Bell again. It's like, it's just, it was building and building. And you get to the point now where you don't have Clyde and you got to choose between Bell and Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is meshing a little bit better with what the Chiefs offensive line can go out there and block for right now. They don't sustain blocks overly well. They're not a dominant run blocking team. So just let the guy that's going to hit the hole harder and faster go. And it really, really helps that Daryl Williams is starting to look like the guy coming out of LSU pre-injury Daryl Williams and how he's moving. He looks more explosive than he did even to start this season coming back from injury. He's looking a lot better now, a lot more healthy, and he's just he's simply a better runner behind this offensive line right now than Le'Veon Bell is. Yeah, and uh, he, he went 13 for 78, six yards a carry. Like, that's, that's outrageous for a team that, absolutely need, like had to have a strong running game after Patrick Mahomes went out because you couldn't trust Chad Henney to step back and sling the ball around. He made some fantastic runs, especially late. He, we always know that he's going to be a good enough pass protector and they like to get him a little bit involved in the passing game, but his ability to run and convert like he was keeping them ahead of the sticks. I know that the you know the joke is that when he runs, you know you're still at second and eight, which there was a couple of those. But he had a couple of nine yard runs. He had a couple of you know big big runs that helped convert some of those longer ones. Get ahead of the sticks. Like he looked really really good behind a really shaky offensive line and helped keep the quarterbacks mostly clean. I really liked what we saw out of Darrell Williams today. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to argue. Uh, he had more yards per carry than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Just so you know. Both of them averaged 5.3. And we'll talk about what the Chiefs did on that side of the ball right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have yourself an AFC Championship game, Kansas City. Your Chiefs move on after beating the Cleveland Browns 22-17. Survive in advance without Patrick LeVon Mahomes in the second half. And I think part of the reason this game is the way it is is because of some pl- timely plays from the defensive side of the football, Craig. Yeah, the, they had. Obviously, the one that everybody's going to be talking about all week long, uh, the Dan Sorensen play at the end zone that he launched and probably was a target targeting penalty, but the forced fumble that went out of the end zone, again, the dumbest rule in the book, Chiefs get mm-hmm. to take advantage of that and that wipes a touchdown off the board. Tyron Matthew had an interception. Like those are the plays that are going to stick out, but there were multiple plays in the run game or on these, you know, kind of jet sweeps or these end rounds that the chiefs did a fantastic job of filling the alley, forcing the running back, forcing the wide receiver back into, you know, the pursuit of the chiefs defense and filling some of these things. There were a lot of negative plays for the Browns this week. A lot of them. And that isn't necessarily something the Chiefs do particularly well. Really stepped their game up there. Now, a couple of those, uh, Browns turned around and converted a couple plays later. But I liked what I saw from this team forcing the Browns to go away from that run game, especially early because they were getting some of those stops. They were coming up with bigger plays. And the Browns just weren't able to lean on the run in the same way early on and the Chiefs were allowed to build up that lead I'm going rogue here it's no surprise to Kent or Craig I'm not talking about timely plays I'm talking is this hold on is this a is this a game show of any way shape or form if only I am talking about a timely game adjustment by the defense I'm talking about how they decided to handle play action after the first couple drives because the Cleveland Browns were finding success they were rolling out off play action They were throwing back to the flats off of it. They were throwing over the middle of the field. What did the Chiefs do? They started using any time there was a run action, the defensive end of that side of the ball was sinking and carrying the running back every time. Nobody else was covering the running back. It was a defensive end sinking on him. They then had usually Legereus Sneed, but the overhang, the apex defender on the backside of the play was coming after Baker Mayfield, and everything shifted to where somebody was covering his man in the flat. They were bringing pressure at Mayfield so he could no longer roll out, had to force the ball out early. They had a defensive end on the running back because they know they didn't have time to let Baker throw it deep. It was a fantastic adjustment that really attacked the Browns' tendencies to roll out off play action, throw back to the running back, and throw over the middle of the field. I loved it from the Chiefs. I know I tweeted that out and some people got mad at me because the Browns were still finding success. Like, guys, they held the Browns to 17, 24 points, whatever you want to call it. 
in a weird game script and they were being eaten alive by play action to start, they shifted in the middle of the first quarter and really shut down that play action passing attack. Steve Spagnuolo, Brendan Daly deserve huge credit for that adjustment. Craig, how do you think this team handled the run? I mean, the Browns, you see Nick Chubb, you see, uh, you see, uh, Kareem Hunt, both average 5.3 yards on the ground. What was your overall impression of them? I, I Especially early. You know, obviously the Browns went away from it. In the third quarter, it seemed like they were a little more willing to give those guys a rock. There were some explosive runs there in the third quarter. That's what's really driving up those, those yards per carry averages. Like Nick Chubb rattled off back-to-back massive runs in the third quarter. Otherwise, the Chiefs would have shut them down by and large. Yes, the the Browns were able to take time off the clock. They were able to run the ball. They were able to pick up chunk yardage of, you know, four, five, six there at the end of the game when the Chiefs were more focused on keeping explosive plays in front of them and allowing an eight-minute drive when you're up multiple scores. Like, they gave that away. By and large, on the day, I feel like people were pretty gab sound. I feel like Anthony Hitchens had a good day. Damian Wilson set a really strong edge. The guys that kind of filled down there as force defenders, filled that alley, Legereus Need, Tyron Matthew, were phenomenal. Javarius Ward and Bashad Breland came up and tackled well. Like everybody, I feel like, did a pretty good job until, you know, the strategy shifted a little bit and they were willing to give away an eight minute drive. So before that, though, I feel like the Chiefs were pretty good on the day. I thought starting the game, they were giving up a little bit too much. They were losing the battle in the trenches. The defensive line, especially the tackles, were getting blown off the ball. Every run seemed to go for five, six, seven yards. But kind of around the same time, they made the adjustment on how to play the play action. It allowed them to play the run a lot better. The defensive line could play a little bit more aggressive out of there because they had a plan against play action that didn't involve the defensive linemen having to deal with it. So as that adjustment came in, like Craig said, there towards the first half or the latter half of the first quarter, throughout halftime into the third quarter, the run defense was excellent. I mean, you look at Nick Chubb had those long runs. And he still only had 5.3 yard average per carry. That means he got stuffed a lot there in the middle of that game. They were playing really well versus the run. And like I said over and over again, you give the Chiefs defense only one thing to worry about. One specific thing. They can come out and they can take it away. They did that to the Browns run game until that one drive that had two long chub runs. You remove those, it's a very pedestrian running game from the Browns. They average under four yards per carry if you take away Nick Chubb's longest run. Uh, or Nick Chubb averages under four yards per carry if you take away his longest run. So there is some credence to that, Maddie. Um, that is that's a good point. Um, speaking, Maddie, okay, I'm going to ask you this one now. What did you think about the pass rush today? Do you think it showed up? What was your overall impression of that group? I think I have a little different opinion than a lot of other people in Chiefs Kingdom were going to, but I thought the pass rush was pretty good. Now, I think there were a time kind of in the third quarter there where the pass rush, the four-man rush, wasn't getting his home as often as you would like. But you guys have to remember, this is the Steve Spagnuolo Chiefs defense. These guys don't pin their ears back. They don't just rush the passer. They play the run. They're playing the play action. They're doing multiple things. And even still, I thought they did a really good job collapsing the pocket. I thought if Baker Mayfield wasn't getting the ball out quick, he was being forced to scramble and kind of make some plays. To his credit, he did. 
There was a couple plays where Frank Clark was a half step away from getting a big sack. They ended up being long completions. Derek Nottie, I think, had a pretty good first half rushing the passer. Like They collapsed the pocket really well. And then the ultimate elephant in the room, the Cleveland Browns, yes, had their backup and third string left tackling. The amount of help they sent over there from the left guard, from having Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt stay in to actually pass protect, not just chip, but stay in and block, they had to alter a lot of their game plan because they were afraid to leave their left tackle one-on-one with anybody. I don't think the pass rush was great, but I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people are going to think coming out of this game. And like Maddie said earlier, and I'm going to be writing about later this week, so thanks, Maddie. I'll just put, I'll clip this part that you did earlier, and I'm just going to put that in my article to save me the time writing. But because of the way they handled the play action, because of the way they peeled the defensive end off consistently, and because of the reason that they were sending extra help at whoever it was that was opposite the left tackle. Like a lot of people are going to say, why didn't Frank Clark beat that left tackle all game long? Well, they're peeling him off into coverage and they're sending two, three guys at that side to make sure that there's no pressure coming on there. It allowed them to kind of block up the chiefs four man rush with like five and a half for six. I mean, that's something that Maddie had said before we started recording. If you're protecting with that many guys and you're dropping a defensive end into coverage regularly, like Yeah, the pass rush is going to suffer, and it's going to look like they're not doing much. Steve Spagnuolo did not blitz very often in this game. When he did, it was ridiculously effective. I think you saw pretty much every single blitz because Baker Mayfield was running for his life. Baker Mayfield also carved up that blitz a little bit, especially in the middle of the field. He was able to take advantage and pick apart Ben Neiman, Dan Sorensen in the middle of the field a little bit, so... Steve Spagnuolo just kind of went back to a four-man rush, tried not to get beat off of these play-action hits, and it it worked by and large. They were able to kind of close out the game a little bit better than I think that everybody was expecting when the Browns got the ball back late. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and this football team needed some big plays to be made down the stretch on the defensive side of the football, and they had some guys step up for them, Craig. Yes, they really did. That last drive of the game, with the Chiefs clinging to a five-point lead, the Chiefs allowed 1.7 yards per play. They got they, they shut the Browns down on two-third downs, and the Browns went for it on fourth and one. Chris Jones had a massive run stop. Anthony Hitchens had a massive run stop. Frank Clark peeled off of a running back on a screenplay and completely took it away, forced an incompletion, and then Chris Jones turns around with a quick pressure on the final offensive play of the Browns' day, forcing a late throw out there, and Charvarius Ward came up and made a play. Tyra Matthew and Legereus Need were gloved up in the secondary when they're back in there, back there covering. I mean, you had your big time players show up at the end of this game when they absolutely needed them on defense. Like everybody talks about all the time, why aren't these players making plays? Why aren't they stepping up? Why aren't they taking over games? Guys, there it was right there. The Chiefs needed a stop. Chiefs could not allow a big game killing drive right there. So you you needed guys like Frank, Chris, Tyron, Legereus, Jarvarius, Anthony Hitchens, all these guys to show up big. 
And they did. And they did it in a way that kept the Chiefs in this game, allowed Chad Henney to kill off the game there at the end. They are part, a major part of the reason why the Chiefs are going on here. That last stand was phenomenal. Yeah, and I mean, Chris Jones took over the final series. I mean, the big run stop, he gets pressure immediately on the very next play. Chris Jones was showing up on that last drive. He decided that he was no longer going to let whatever the Browns wanted to do happen. He was going to completely take the game over, and he did. And when people go back and watch the game, they'll see Frank Clark had a handful of fantastic plays that maybe didn't catch your eye alive because they weren't flashy, but he took away a lot of screen plays. He played the run well. He did get more pressure than I think people are going to see. And then Tyron Matthew and Legereus Sneed kept the Chiefs defense, kept the Chiefs team essentially in the game all night long. They were the only two guys that were making plays consistently throughout the game. I mean, those two guys without them, the Chiefs give up a significant amount more points they have become arguably the best two players on the team you know you think about the safety group uh well i guess you know you, you think about tyron matthew making plays um obviously the jersey is not a safety but he made some phenomenal plays dan Sorensen knocking the ball out of the end zone at the end there uh right at the end of the first half uh saving that touchdown that was massive so you got a lot of plays and a lot of positive play between the numbers outside the numbers it's a different story charvarius ward's sample size i'm okay it's time charvarius ward's sample size rant rant is, rant 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 yeah, rant, rant, rant 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 it really might look i said this in the middle of the season charvarius ward's sample size does not warrant some of the love that y'all give him he has been bad more than he has been good in his time here at Kansas City. It's inarguable. Y'all have held on to like four games and like four clips from like week four through eight of 2019. He got exposed last playoffs. He's been fine and he's been below average to, to average during the regular season. And guess what? Second playoffs in the row, guess who they targeted? Guess who they wanted to pick on? Targets tell the story about who they think is bad. They think Charvarius Ward is bad. It doesn't matter who you're playing in the playoffs. They keep getting picked. They keep picking on Charvarius Ward. And guess what? It works for a reason. It. This is not anything new. If you would just, just quit giving the man more credit than he's due. This isn't a personal attack on Charvarius Ward. He's a cool kid. I love the I love the Charvarius Ward story. But stop making him more than he is. He's not a number one corner. Some people wanted to pay him the Malcolm Butler contract last year. Imagine if this team had to pay him the Malcolm Butler contract. He's cornerback three. Are you good? Maybe. Okay. Turn Bashad, your head around. Bashad Breland was only fractionally better. I mean, they didn't. I was going to say he was. I don't know. I don't know that I'd put Bashad that much better than. No, than they just didn't target him game. as much. They had the same level of success. They just didn't target him as much. And to Kent's point, I do think that tells you what opposing teams are trying to game plan for. I think it's pretty clear that in the playoffs now, as much as we talk about Sorensen, Ben Neiman, whoever, Charvarius Ward is kind of the guy other teams go after in big games. And that even includes, again, Ben Neiman, Dan Sorensen, whoever else you want to. That said, both Breland, Charvarius Ward, 
Both had huge plays late in the game, making tackles on players in the open field. Not coverage, making tackles. Both of them had very big, good plays as a tackler. But yeah, the boundary corners for the Chiefs, continuously a weakness. The thing is, Steve Spagnuolo, he says, hey, you want to force feed targets to the outside on low percentage completion plays? We'll let you do it. If you want to throw the ball at Charvarius Ward 20 times, we're going to play the odds that it's just simply not going to work over and over again. And it hasn't really bit the Chiefs yet, so I guess keep going for it. But, I mean, we're we're on the edge of danger right now. Yeah. I mean, it it is a situation where you would love to have a corner that plays a little stronger on the outside, on either side. I mean... Obviously, LeJerry Sneed had to rotate out there late. Antonio Hamilton came in the slot. I was honestly very, very worried that Baker Mayfield was going to lock down on Antonio Hamilton and try and find success there, but he didn't. Uh, Baker Mayfield only had 204 yards passing. He averaged 5.5 yards per throw. They took away a lot of his comfort stuff, so he ended up throwing a lot of stuff up to Donovan Peoples-Jones, to David Njoku, over the top of Charvarius Ward, who didn't get his head around. We saw this last year in the playoffs. We're seeing it this year in the playoffs. You're going to continue to see it because the play, the teams that are left in these playoffs all have excellent number one wide receivers on the outside. Yes, the Chiefs have played all of them to this point, other than the Packers, played all of them to this point, and it hasn't killed them yet. So to Matty's point, Steve Spagnuolo plays the odds there, and he's fine with those kinds of guys. He feels like he can cover it up with scheme. And who's really to argue they are in their second straight AFC championship game, and the defense is a large part of that. Yeah, he largely has. And that's a credit to him and the def- and the defense. I mean, they, they still only scored 17 points. And you just got done talking about the, the passing production of a Baker Mayfield, under six yards per attempt. That's awesome. Just, you know... It's kind of like Jack Conklin. It might be ugly, but it got the job done. Uh all right. I think it's I think it's uh I think it's time to talk about something that thank God we have special teams expert Craig Stout here for. The Chiefs won this game by five. They could have won it by it could have been a two possession game. They could have ended it on a two possession game, but Although, hey, are you going to go rant about people telling you that to not worry about Harrison Butker because he dismissed two easy chip shots from 33 yards out? Cost him four in, points. In the playoffs. Cost him four points. All, all of your nervousness, if those four points are on the board, all of your nervousness is gone when the Browns get that ball back with like eight minutes left because the Chiefs have a two-possession lead. Now... I say all of your nervousness. I know Chiefs fans. I know how this works. Y'all would have still been blowing up my mentions about how we shouldn't have picked blowouts and this is this is you guys' fault. With you know, whatever. What happened to all of these people saying that Harrison Butker is not going to cost this team, not going to put them in undue stress with his kicks? This is not good. We're now in a position where he missed a chip shot field goal as well. It's not just the extra points. Chip shot field goal as well. Left four points on the board in a playoff game that Patrick Mahomes didn't get to play. Like, that's awful. The Chiefs 
turned Baker Mayfield over and gave the ball back to the offense on the 19-yard line and got zero points out of it. When the defense stood on their head, was able to create a big play, that could get blown open if there is a conversion there. It's very worrisome to me. It is ridiculously worrisome to me because now all of a sudden we we found, quote, quote, found the fix and it's still there. Like he's still having issues. So I I get that he bombs the long ones and that's great and all, but you can't miss the chip shot ones. You're paid to make all of them, not just the long ones, paid to make all of them. Frustrating as a Chiefs fan to watch a kicker in a playoffs game that's struggling right now. Yeah, it was brutal. And it's unacceptable. And, you know, this is a city that has a a kicker who shall not be named as part of their history. Didn't matter today, but it matters next week. You better believe it matters next week. Every point matters in a game as big of the magnitude as the AFC Championship game. So hopefully he fixed it, but it should have been fixed a long time ago. I, I had this analogy. He's like he's I he I believe he's perfect in his career from fifty yards out. Is that correct? Did I hear that on the on the on the uh on the game on the game? He's very good from fifty yards I'm out. I'm not so sure. He, yeah. Uh he's 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 Steph Curry from fifty out and he's he, from the three point line, he's Shaq from the free throw line. I mean he is missing chip shots more than anyone. It's just it's it's stunning. Can't have it moving forward. Final thoughts, Maddie. What you got? I said going into this game, there's two things you had to stop for the Cleveland Browns, and the Chiefs did that. They gave up 17 or 24 points, depends on how you look at it. They slowed down the run for the most part. The other thing they stopped, Jarvis Landry had 10 targets for 20 yards, two zero yards on double-digit targets. And yes, he caught a touchdown by burning Charvarius Ward, but that's neither here nor there. Legerious. Also, his normal yards per catch. Two, well, not per catch, I don't know. He had two yards per target. Two. Two. Jarvis Landry was a non-factor in this game because Legarius Sneed, Tyron Matthew, locked him down in the slot he was useless because the best cornerback still in the playoffs plays nickel Ooh. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mmm. Mmm. Might have got me hyped there. Listen, we ended on a little bit of a downer there with a couple of points. But be happy, Chiefs fans. You just won a playoff game to send you to the AFC Championship game in which your quarterback got hurt. The franchise got hurt and left the game. Uh, your kicker missed multiple kicks. A quarterback threw a pass to himself, completed a pass to himself, and the Chiefs had to deal with a team that hung around, a plucky underdog that they were majorly favored over. The Chiefs still went out and handled business and won this game. So all of this curse all of this nonsense about how you know all the the sins of the past affecting the future and all of that like that's gone if the Chiefs were going to be cursed playoff cursed this is the game that they lose because of all those things that happened it didn't happen this next week is an 
excellent game against an excellent opponent. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. But for now, remove the doubt that you have in this team. They find ways to win, and they've done it for now three years. So let's go. Every world championship has a story. Every world championship story has a, you know, has a has a bout with adversity. What was the what was the adversity this team really faced before today? Was it just the weight of repeating because you're so good? This team won 93% of their games. They lost a game that they didn't show up and responded by beating f- in total four of the eight divisional teams on the road and leading by 13 against all of them. The Chiefs just, just the Chiefs just added to their story. They just added a big element to their story. They won a game when the best player in the world was out. They closed and finished a game off without the best player in the world. And now the story gets even sweeter. The the moment becomes Patrick Mahomes comes back from probably what we're going to find out. I'm just guessing. This is complete guessing, but this is probably not just his toe hurt a little bit. And, you know, fear of a concussion. There's going to be a lot of anxiety. There's going to be a lot of mystery about Patrick Mahomes' status for the rest of this week. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to come on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes is going to be out there. And through a little bit of adversity, this team that's been tested and battle-tested and put through the fire in a lot of different ways the last two seasons is going to come out and win again and make it to another Super Bowl and set up the State Farm Bowl. And another great story to close the season out. Your Chiefs. Oh, Maddie, you got one. You got something here. Well, my thing's less fun, but I did want to ask, who do the Packers have to beat in the State Farm Bowl to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? It is currently, as of this recording, tied 13-13 to between the Buccaneers and Saints. Who wins? The Saints win. You think the Saints win this game? I think do, they do. Do I they think, put Jameis the back in at getting... quarterback because he's the only guy that can throw a football for him? Listen, clearly, that, that was an excellent throw by Jameis too. Yeah, give me the Saints. Okay, I'm I'll take pacing. the Bucks. I'll be on Tampa Brady's side. Tampa whooped up on the Packers the last time these two teams played. Thanks mm-hmm. for ruining my moment, Maddie. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I thought I had. A, I thought I was feeling pretty good at the close, but that's all right. It's okay. You like to derail things. It's all good. Uh, lost my train of thought. I think the Chiefs are still going to do well. <laughs> Maddie's laughing. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you for listening to the the supersized version of the post-game show. That's going to do it. Your Kansas City Chiefs win 22-17. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you later. We didn't mention Travis Kelsey's name one time, and he was very much the best player on the field.